Cheers. Welcome back. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View at the Roswell 1999 edition. I know it's been two weeks for you, but it has only been but an hour for us where we've watched the episode and then we had to wait for my food to arrive and then <laughs> I scarfed it down and now we're ready to podcast again. Hooray! Hooray! Uh, so welcome again. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. This is a podcast where... One sister loves a TV or book series, and the other sister has refused to watch or read it for years and years and years, and now the other sister is making them do so. And so Roswell is my pick. Uh, I love season two extremely much. I have not seen season three, so Meg and I are both in this blind together. We are all in this together. <laughs> So we're going to talk about Roswell Season 3, Episode 5, Control, today. But in reality, I should actually be cleaning up the apartment. I should be vacuuming. But instead... Instead... Megan Camille. No, if you're I, gonna ready. abuse, th- no. if you're gonna abuse the privilege. I was so... I was taking a breath in to go as high as I possibly could. <laughs> I did a one-time bit. Gosh. <laughs> We're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a podcast. So rude. Had it both ways. No regrets. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. All right. Uh, I have another story about aerials that I didn't tell you on the first episode because I wanted to save some material for later in the day. <laughs> All right. I flexed my butt so hard, <laughs> I hurt my tailbone. Oh, no. So I was doing a back bend on the ground, and I'm like, support with the glutes, support. And as I did, it just squeezed to the end of my spine, like, really hard. <laughs> like, I was seeing spots in my vision when I was coming out of it. And I was like, did I just... Give myself nerve damage with the power of my glutes. <laughs> I didn't. I walked around for a bit and it was fine. But that's something to look out for is pinching off my own nerve endings with my powerful butt muscles. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the farting that you do. <laughs> that is a hormone thing that happens to me sometimes. Okay, what's something weird your body does? I can make fun of. You got a bad heart. Boo! <laughs> Everyone laugh at Emily. She's a ginger. <laughs> oh, this is fun. I'm not coming so to your wedding your- in two weeks. <laughs> I was about to say, so if this is your first time listening to the podcast. Which, leave. Go back and listen to episode one. Why are, is this your favorite episode? Are you kidding me? You're just here for your favorite episode? Is this honestly the only episode of Roswell you've ever seen? You're missing so much context. So much other better context. Yeah, check out, don't watch Roswell, but check out our podcast. <laughs> Taking a drink. I almost choked and squirted water on my keyboard. Oh, 
I will say I liked this episode better than the the yes. first one this set up. This is a great second half to the two-parter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you said the previous one would have been a miss. Is this one a hit? No, 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 no. Previous one was a hit. Four was a hit. Oh, previous one. Three four. was a miss. Four, just by dint of being so much better than three was a hit, five was quite good. I really liked the emotional storyline in five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we had talked about it's interesting because we had uh, like I said I have not seen season three neither has Megan and but we were trying to guess what was going to happen especially with a word like control as the title I think I nailed it I think you did too I was I was gonna say I think we'd mentioned on the previous a uh, previous episode how like in Buffy like the monster of the week was like a metaphor for what was going on in you know the high, high school, school yeah plot as well and so i loved this idea of control because we'll find out later there is a character who has to do everything oh hi copper dog my buddy my dog came to visit me while we're podcasting um he has the character has to do everything that he is told um and then isabel is trying to set up her wedding and uh people are People are trying to control her and telling her what to do. And I just thought it was a really, really great juxtaposition. I agree with you. Um, but yeah, it's it's all about... it's all. About, also, I think Liz was unreasonable in this episode. <laughs> she was! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! It was... Okay. This is definitely showing my age. But it was too teenager-y for me. Where like... But, okay, at the same time, at the same time, let me say that I have been where Liz has been, and I totally get it. I totally get so-and-so is going to call me, and it's going to be great, and this is going to be perfect, and, you know, all these things, and then it doesn't happen, and you're just like, well, they hate me, and we're going to break up, and nothing will ever be right again. I have been there, but it was just hard as an adult watching her do that and just be like, no, honey... It, it goes beyond that. Like, yeah. and like, which Maria, you oh, know that he's on a quest infiltrating and investigating and like, yeah. Yeah. Although I understand how hurt her feelings were when he called Isabel and not her. Yeah. Yeah. But and here's Max the thing, Maria. Is, I was going to say Max is just a weirdo when it comes to Isabel. <laughs> um, Maria did call Liz out on this as well, uh, that, you know. Liz, you have his number. You can call him. The phone works both ways. Um, and again, I think I think this is just a matter of being on a new network and having a different tone because previous Liz's would have been, I think, more logical than this. This is mm-hmm. this Liz is very emotionally chaotic. Yeah. Um, which is a choice that they made from episode one of season three. And I'm glad they're at least sticking to it. But mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate this choice, this this plot choice that has been made for this character. <laughs> um, it's not the Liz Parker that we, we know and have loved. Mm-hmm. So. Max is killing it. Max is terrible. There. I finally said it. Yeah. Can't believe it. So He we- disappointed me so much this episode. <laughs> We start where the episode left off. Um, Max is in the film storage room and it's completely full of fire because film itself is flammable. 
Um, but you could Most see like things are flammable. What? No, I mean like really flammable, easily damaged by heat. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Like how um, compared to compared to like a towel, a piece of paper is more flammable. Like you could mm-hmm. burn both of them. Uh, not if it's the towel from New Girl, but like <laughs> on the scale of things that catch fire easily. Film is up there. <laughs> um, and the the other protector alien, what's his name? Leonard? Hal? Cal. Cal. Uh, Cal is, like, threatening him. And Max is like, please, the smoke. And now that we know that he has to do whatever Max tells him. Max discovers this, that this alien was encoded genetically to be their protector to do whatever is asked of him which um now i want to go back and watch the nisado episodes to see if this holds true or if this was something they just made up for this season well interesting i think it was in the previous episode where he asks why did you kill joey and we get the straight up answer because he found out what I was mm-hmm. sort of a thing. And so I think even then we were kind of able to see that. Um, but the the um, alien masquerading as a human, you know, producer, director, whatever, has his henchmen put Max on a plane in order to fly him back to uh, back to Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, but instead, Max... I don't know what money he's used. Gets a way better haircut. Shows up at the big Hollywood party and proceeds to pitch his life story as a movie. To the producer. This was a fun use of the scene. And there were several Emmys in the scene. And I have held an Emmy from a show that I was on. I didn't contribute to that Emmy, but when I was on the, like, my first week on the Adventures of Puss in Boots, like, I hadn't done anything yet. Um, But our show got a daytime Emmy Award for Best Casting in an Animated Series. And so they brought the Emmy that our show won to work, and we all got to take pictures holding, (laughs) quote, our Emmy. (laughs) That is so fun. Yeah. I remember those. I I, I think I still have it on my phone somewhere. Aw. And everyone thinks this is hilarious and a great movie, you know, because, you know, Max is weaving a tale of, oh, there's an alien stranded on Earth, but hey, we're in luck. There's a second alien stranded on Earth. Who can help the first alien get home? And he's a movie producer. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, ha, 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 that's so original. And, you know, Emily, you spotted something else in this scene. I would say your I eagle did. eyes. You were like, is that just plain lemon juice on the table? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like one of those little plastic bottles that are meant to look like an actual lemon. And I was just like, oh, that has to be a faux pas. That has to be like like when they were shooting um, Downton Abbey promos and someone left a water bottle. Yeah. On the mantle, you know, that obviously, what, there's a special word for it. Ar- not archaic. A gap? Oh, um, anachronistic. That's what An it anachronism. Is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. means something from the wrong time period. Technically, yeah. there's one in Harry Potter 4, I think. Whenever, whatever book Dudley gets a PlayStation, technically the book takes place three years before PlayStation exists. Interesting. But no, uh, Lemon's... 
and flavors actually are like a, not a plot point, but they're important to the story uh, later on because we discover about the aliens, the, the protectors that are here to um, watch over the royal four, the human hybrids, uh, have very little sensation access to their, yeah, I was about to say access to their human emotion, not emotions, um, senses. but like senses. Thank you. So I think he said he'd been there on earth for like 30 years before he could smell anything. And the first thing he smelled was like the chlorine, chlorine in a pool. from the pool. Mm-hmm. And then, and he, so they could, and then the very first thing he could taste was lemon juice. Mm-hmm. So he said anything with strong flavors, lemon, sugar, Tabasco, anything like that. And so the kind of running joke has been that the, our, our hybrid characters, you know, love milkshakes with hot Tabasco sauce in them sauce. or yeah. Tabasco sauce or Liz makes Tabasco swirled cookies for Max as part yeah. of this gift, you know, gift package she's sending him. Um, and the... Alien has told Max, if I shapeshift, like he, he found this out fairly early on in his time on Earth. Anytime he shapeshifted, he lost all of those senses. He couldn't taste anything, smell anything for like several decades. And so I think it said, he said it's been like 50 years since he's last shifted or something. No, because they've been here for 50 years. It's been, mm. it's been 20. Yeah, it's been like 20 years since he last shifted. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, he chews on lemons throughout the episode, you know, that sort of thing. And um, Max watched him like the guy's pinky went through the flame of a candle and he didn't even flinch. So like he really can't feel anything. And he says something very interesting where he's just like, I have every opulence that money could buy and I can't enjoy any of it. Uh, Food turned to ash in our mouths. (laughs) I feel nothing. Not the cold steel of a blade or the warmth of a woman's flesh. (laughs) (laughs) I cried the first time I saw Pirates of the Caribbean and Barbosa's like, I feel cold. And, you know, I start welling up with tears and then he drops the apple and I was like, he never got to taste the apple. So good. The first one is so good. So good. Um, So when the second one came out, I was in college, and the college was in a very small town, so we had to go a few towns over to go see the movie, and I had loved the first one so much, and I was actually quite let down by the second one, but I remember the very, so spoilers for Pirates 2, the very end, I'm, you know, I was sitting through the movie going, it was okay, it was okay, and then at the end of the movie, Barbosa comes down the stairs, and I'm like, yes! I will definitely go see number three! (laughs) Right? They tricked us. (laughs) They tricked us. But a lot... It's... This character was so interesting. In the previous... In the previous episode, I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be a really generic bad guy. You know? Dresses in black and is mysterious and blah, blah, blah. But in this next episode, I really enjoyed watching Cal and learning about his life because right? he is at the top of the food chain. He is the one that 
can make or break people's careers. He has all of this money. People kind of kowtow to him and everything. And it's a huge shock almost when we find out that anytime Max gives him a direct order, he has to do it. Yeah. Like it, Meg and I both at the same time were like, Ella enchanted situation. Yeah. And I was so disappointed with Max. Yes. I will say I understand why he, cause he's, he comes across as very desperate. He wants to go save his son. He has no other plan except finding this alien spaceship and going to, you know, their planet. Uh, but he just like, I've been really disappointed in, in, okay, not the actor. The actor's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The actor does a stupendous job. I've been very disappointed in the character of Max because he has gone from this sweet boy who has had this crush on this girl his entire life. And, you know, they have this connection and everything is great to I'm a king and everyone must do as I say. And if they don't, it means that they have betrayed me. me. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I I, I could be okay with that. If they had shown how we got from original Max to this Max. But it was just kind of like in season two, just like a switch had been flipped. If they had even played up, it was Tess that had done this. It was Tess that had Mm -hmm. messed with his brain or whatever. I would still be like, wow, the fallout from Tess is still going on. That's so horrible in like the emotional sense of the word. And I would have been here for it. But... And like, we don't have that. There's one line where he's like, I slept with the enemy and she took my son. And I was like, that's, you didn't knowingly sleep with the enemy. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, uh, even if it's, because, because the point where this started happening, the real switch in Max was Max to the Max when Liz betrayed him by sleeping with Kyle. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think the show really connected that. Now, anytime someone lies to Max, he's connecting it back to that original betrayal. Because at this point, Max and Liz are back in love and everything's great, but he's still trying to ultimately control Isabel and is treating Isabel's oh, choices as a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to kind of finish out Max's storyline and okay. then we can go and talk about Isabel's. But I'm so excited to talk about Max and Isabel's relationship. It's going to be really good. Um. Again, with the characterization of Max. So, Meg, you and I kind of, I mean, we grew up in the same time period, but we, we've kind of talked about this before where, like, it was a week-to-week-to-week episodes and there weren't really a lot of overarching, yeah, you know, plots. And so sometimes if a network was like, oh, hey, we're going to we're gonna change what this character does, it was often very abrupt without a lot of, like, lead up to it. And it also wasn't easy to go back and check when did this happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I was, again, really disappointed in Max because he has no plan except go find this spaceship and fly it to his home planet. Like, they have no backup. They have no supplies. Like, how long is this going to take? Who is going to meet them there? Yeah. You know, his Max's whole plan is Ella enchant his way into a military base with this guy who needs to keep up the appearance of being human and being a director. Producer, uh, be, but yeah. Uh, producer, thank you. Yes, there's a big difference. I'm so sorry. Um, because <laughs> he needs Cal because Cal's the one who is the pilot who can fly the plane. Max can't fly the plane. Um, useless. Useless. So 
he like just basically, I mean, Cal lays out. He's like, listen, if we go, I'm going to have to shape shift. I'm going to lose everything I worked for. It's behind all of these, you know, it's on an army. Like he's explaining why it's basically impossible and a bad idea to do this. And Max just goes, take me to the plane. Yeah. Like, like there's even a point where Cal is like, do not, please do not make me do this. Listen to your human side. Don't take this away from me, please. And Max says, get in the plane, fly me home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a big thing because eventually, I mean, almost immediately, it's not we find out working that plane. it's not. Yeah, they're able to, the saucer's able to lift off and then immediately crashes back down because there's just too, there's too much damage from the original crash. Yeah. And... And the Cal has this great speech about it's you're just who you were before your majesty. You're selfish and basically you're selfish. You're spoiled. You know, no wonder no one likes you sort of a thing. Yeah. And like, Max, are you listening? Are you seeing what's happening? Because this isn't you, buddy. This mm-hmm. isn't the Max that that we've grown up with, quote unquote. This isn't the boy behind the tree. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Maybe he should go back behind the tree for a while and think about his life and choices. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was kind of like a rough. It was a rough episode. What? And I'm just thinking about the scene where Max comes back and Liz is so mad. And I start freaking out because I'm like, don't break up. Do not. No. No, because I'm not invested in their relationship. I don't like mm-hmm. either one of them, but I'm so sick of them breaking up and, and then swanning over each other and then getting back together and then breaking up. So I'm I'm glad that he started crying by the end of this. So Liz is like, oh, I should just forgive everything that Max did because he's had a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ever since Max found out that Tess was pregnant, he was not prepared for that. He was not, he did not have anyone to confide in. And I I think he has felt very alone and that, one, no one understands me. And two, because people don't understand me, they don't listen to me, and so I just have to double down until they do what I want them to do because I feel bad they should be doing that anyway. Like, that's what it feels like. Um, oh, tangent-ish time. Okay. Because I wanted to talk about, and I, I realize I hadn't, I've wanted to talk about this for a while, but I just, we haven't. It's just slipped my mind every single time. We were talking about pregnancy storylines. Yeah. And I was of the opinion, I don't like them. Yep. And I was trying to think of, like, why. Like, I mean, I like kids. I, I, it's not that it's because I hate kids or anything like that. I'm like, why don't I like pregnancy storylines and TV shows? And it's because it's often only used as a plot device. And mm-hmm. the baby, when it comes along, is not ever a real character. It's, I mean, the baby, babies can't really do anything. But I'm talking about, like, in Lost... There's uh, a baby? Spoilers for Lost. Oh, Claire's Claire baby. Claire has, yeah, Claire has her baby, and the baby is immediately kidnapped. Like, maybe not immediately, but like, it becomes kind of like a bargaining chip. And here we have Roswell, or like, 
uh, Meg, you were saying like in, in Charmed, like the baby is there, but then like we get to interact with the grown up version of it or like in Once Upon a Time. I haven't seen Charmed. I was talking about the magicians, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, I want to just agree with you because like Max's baby, I guess he telepathically spoke with it once, but like he's never met this child. It keeps happening off screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's never met this child apparently he's getting visions of his son in danger the audience has not seen any of these visions we don't know what his son looks like we don't even know his kid's name and it's like max is 18 he's a kid and Mm -hmm. we're getting this a bit with isabel's wedding storyline that like all the adults in her life are like you're just a kid and you're like super rushing into this and i I don't want to say that, like, oh, if you never met your child, you're not a real parent. Because mm-hmm. that's not where I'm going with this. But, like, Tess's pregnancy was so hyper-sped up that Max only knew he was going to be a father for, like, two days. Mm-hmm. It was, like, 48 hours between sex and granolith. Yeah. And, like, it, it just doesn't feel real. And this... This pregnancy and this son don't have an emotional weight behind them because it's just it's happened so quickly. And me personally, as a viewer, if I'm not invested in the characters, I'm out. Uh huh. You know, it could be the coolest concept in the world for a TV show or movie, but if the characters are boring or unpleasant i'm not going to stick around i want to watch interesting characters and so when they whenever a baby is introduced or whatever that sort of storyline i'm always kind of like uh like this is not an interesting character to me the idea of it and like the idea of how people react to it that's interesting but it has been historically for me difficult to like become attached to babies in tv shows and this is exactly what's happening like you just said megan in in roswell where Mm -hmm. we're just like okay, they're in danger, but there's no sense of urgency because, like you said, we're not seeing visions. We don't know the kid's name. Um, And we are just, all they do is keep reminding us that the baby is there. And because they have to keep reminding us, it just means it's not important enough for the audience to remember. And every time someone's like, the baby, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a baby. Like, you're like, oh yeah. And so it, uh, Liz won't let Max forget that there's a kid. I think she's kind of holding that over him, which I don't blame her. Oh, really? Because I feel like Max is the one who's always like, my son, my son, my son. (laughs) Where is my son? (laughs) But um, it's very interesting in how the alien characters are treating their human parents, especially because Max is like, I'm a father. And I'm like, then you understand that your parents are having a hard time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about in the previous episode, the mom's always asking where Max is, is he okay, that sort of thing. And and this was difficult, not difficult to watch, but it was interesting to watch because they've got Max, who they've completely lost control over. Like at one point, oh my gosh, at one point, Max has not given his parents his new cell phone. Yeah. Isabel has it, but he has not given it to them. And... Mrs. Evans shows up to the crash down specifically to talk to Liz to get Max's number. And I was so uncomfortable with this because 
our parents are not overbearing. Like they, they, you know, they love us. They want to make sure we're okay. But I, I had never really thought of them as overbearing. But I had a friend in college whose mother, like at first I'm like, you're making all of these stories up about your mom, about the crazy stuff your mom has done. I mean, she was talking about like her mom, like tracking her cell phone and like having, you know, tracking software on the computer and like, you know, all of these things. And it got to the point, like we had graduated and I was still in contact with this friend. Somehow her mom found my number and would call me asking what her daughter was up to. And it happened like once I'm like, oh, is everything okay? She's just like, well, she won't tell me where she is. Or whatever. Like, her daughter had moved away and did not tell her mom where she was moving because her mother was so Mm -hmm. involved in everything. And it got to the point where I was just like, if she didn't tell you, I'm not telling you. And she got so upset and started yelling at me on the phone about how I was keeping them apart and blah, blah, blah. And finally, I was just like, I told you not to contact me anymore, and you did. I'm blocking your number. And I hung up on her, and I blocked her number because... Hey, that's big for you. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, So the idea of this mom, Mrs. Evans, I understand where she's coming from, but this... Ooh. (sighs) How do I I word this? Just the idea of parents not being able to let go feels... I say gross to me because <clears throat> try not to get too personal because the the culture that we grew up in, a lot of people got married young. A lot of people had kids very young. And for some reason that the mentality is kind of there is like, oh, you become an adult once you have kids and once you're an adult yourself. You and become so, an adult once you get married, really. That, yeah, yeah. And so I have a group of friends, some are married, some are not, and the unmarried ones uh, will chat every so often and just be like, you know, I'll talk to one of my friends and she's like, I had to have a sit down with my mother and remind her I'm almost 40 and I can make my own financial decisions without her. I don't need to check in with her. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of this is kind of like near, like I see this in like real life. And so the idea of the mom coming and saying, give me my son's phone number, and Liz doesn't, good for her. Good for her. So she comes, Liz doesn't give the number, good for her. At, at um, some point, the... adults no longer own their children. Yes. Now, yes. Now you're important parts of each other's lives, and if, if those are strong, loving connections, hold on to that. But, like, kids need to make their own choices especially once they become adults. And we see this a lot with, again, the mom is really reacting to holding on to Isabel and it ends up driving Isabel further away because the mom is trying to keep things status quo and even meant like even tells Isabel later, no, I was, I was actually trying to slow you down on purpose because I think you're making a mistake and someday you're going to wake up and realize that it's a mistake instead of I guess building a support system for Isabel to fail. Mm-hmm. She instead was like trying to stop her from making the wrong choice in the first place, which she loves her daughter and she she doesn't want what she thinks is a horrible ending for her daughter. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I've had friends married young who are now divorced, and yeah, that is hard. That is rough. But like, 
you can't take away someone's agency in what they're choosing to do with their life. Like at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, it's their life and it is their decisions. Yeah, it really had rubbed me the wrong way when the mom basically had told her, no, I'm she's the mom's trying to control everything that Isabel does and give Isabel the life that she wanted that she thought Isabel wanted. And and I was just I was really upset when she's just like, one day you're going to wake up and regret it all. And I'm like, "Okay, so then she'll wake up and regret it all. That's not the end of the world. Like people make choices that they regret and you go you move on from there like you can't change the past and trying to protect someone from making any wrong choices or any bad choices is going to be impossible because because once they get out from under your influence they're just going to choose whatever they wanted to in the first place like and i don't know it's also, very when, frustrating when your kids are little or when any of the the children in your life are young or small you know all of the input that they're getting and you know all of the information that they have when they are making decisions. As they get Mm -hmm. older, as they start getting like information, knowledge, and experience from places that don't involve you, both in the friends they make, the stories they consume, the experiences they have, both online and in person, you know less and less about their internal lives, especially if you establish yourself as someone they can't trust with their big feelings. So when it comes to big decisions, they're using like everything they know and you don't know all of the factors that went into the choices that they did make. You don't have all the facts, which are, I love him. (laughs) Although I also, listen, I do think Isabel marrying Jesse this fast, I also believe it's a mistake and she was going to wait six months which where we grew up that's considered a long engagement that is a insanely long engagement typical engagements where we grew up was three to four months after six months to a year of dating although our parents laid down some very reasonable rules which is you have to know them you have to see them in all four seasons of the year and go on a road trip so you can see them in different (laughs) situations um so the thing is Because her mom tried to slow Isabel down from that, now it's an even worse situation. Emily, Mm -hmm. do you think this marriage is going to go? When do you think Jessie's going to find out she's an alien? Oh, that's that's another big thing in this episode is Michael has some amazing points about our lives are so dangerous. It's not fair to Jesse to not tell him anything because he won't see what's coming. He won't know to prepare himself to, like, be aware of danger or whatever. And I, this, to me, this is such a fascinating storyline because Isabel is so determined to have a quote-unquote normal life. Like, she does not want anything alien to touch her and Jesse's relationship. And she has decided not to tell him. And that is her decision. Done. Boom. That's it. I think Max is going to tell Jesse the truth in an effort to scare him away. Oh, because... Max uh, is real mad about it. Max is ridiculously angry about this. He finds out because mom goes quote-unquote snooping around in Isabel's things to find Max's number, finds Max's number, 
calls him and then is like, I'm just so happy to hear your voice. What's happening to our family? First you and now Isabel. And he's like, Isabel, what's wrong with Isabel? And then he finds out that she's getting married. He calls Isabel. They have this huge... It's it's season two Max all over again about like what do you think you're doing? You absolutely cannot marry this person. Like I wish there would have been more conversations about how Max sees himself. Yeah. Like, does he is he trying to become a king? Is he trying to become his old self? Like I almost wish he would have started having dreams about who he used to be. And he thought that his life as a king was so much better than what he has now that he's trying to become this king person again. Hey. We know ghosts are real. Ghosts are real! I think Michael needs to go through a Christmas carol. Michael? Nope. (laughs) I was so close. Max. I think Max needs to go through a Christmas carol. Uh, because he needs to be shown the Max of season one and season two and future Max. Yeah, future Max. (laughs) But, you know, the granolith isn't here on Earth anymore, so I don't know how that will pan out. But, yeah, I think Max needs to go through a look at your life, look at your choices, the road so far. Mm-hmm. And why aren't you with Liz? She's our one true love. And Max is like, I honestly don't know. Does Max know why she slept with Kyle? Do you think Liz, why she pretended to sleep with Kyle? Has Liz told him about? Okay. He Not needs future to know. Max. He also, does need to know. I was wondering if. Uh, Liz is really jealous of Isabel getting married because she's not getting married. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Like, I think they're getting around this because Isabel technically doesn't go to high school, even though she should be a senior at this time. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Max is just going full on. You cannot marry him. You cannot marry him. You can't do this. You can't do this to us. And Isabel's just like, I am living my own life and screw everybody else. Um, Because her mom does bring up that it's, it hasn't even been a year since Alex's thing. And so she's, which I think was a low blow. Like, duh, of course, Isabel is not going to forget Alex. Um, But, but. The mom was just like, I'm just afraid that Jesse is the first stable thing you've come across and you're trying to basically find a port in the storm, which I've actually had someone say to me at one point and it was incredibly insulting. Like I I was sort of dating this person, sort of, and this other person was like, oh, I thought that you were going to be sad about this other person forever and I'm so glad that you're over it and that this other person is filling that void or something to that effect. And I'm just like, how dare you say that? Like, how dare you insinuate that I've gone from one person and just latched onto another? And it was it was very frustrating. I agree. Well, what else should we cover? Have we got everything in this episode? Uh, we got Have a we little bit of Liz. talked about the wedding planner guest actress? Oh, yeah. Go uh, for it. She, um, this actress has played the stepmother in the remake of The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan mm-hmm. and Lindsay Lohan. And mm-hmm. she's also one of the aliens from Galaxy Quest, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, but she, 
Go ahead. Go for it. She is very much like... She has a lot of opinions for a wedding planner. Oh, yeah. I have... I'm not going to get a wedding planner because I already know literally everything I want and how to... And I have a sister who knows how to source contacts and things. (laughs) Um, Sidebar. I want my reception to be at an aquarium. Okay? I want pictures by the shark tank. And I, I actually think if I get married, I'll do a party reception out in California, kind of like outdoor flowers, fairy lights, that sort of thing. But my Utah reception will be at the, the Murray Aquarium. The Loveland Aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. So get ready for that (laughs) in two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) You meet my secret wife. And that means I can never talk to you again, but she and I will be best friends. Oh, okay. She'll do the podcast with me. All right. <laughs> uh, she's very funny. You don't know her. She goes to a different school. But she... <laughs> <laughs> uh, this wedding planner absolutely annoyed me. And she was a great, yeah. she was a great character. She, she did exactly um, what she was supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, like, Isabel would say, like, oh, this is what I'm envisioning. And immediately this woman is like, oh, we can't do it because of this and this and this. Why don't you go to this completely opposite place on the, you know, other end of the spectrum? The lobby of the local hotel or whatever. And, like, she... This one part where she comes over to Isabel, she's like, oh, they have found, I found this great horse-drawn carriage company here. Look. And Isabel is very gracious about it. And she's like, oh, no, thank you. That's not in my vision. And I don't like horses and all of these things. And, you know, gives the pamphlet back. And then the woman gives it back to Isabel and says, take this to your mom. <sighs> because, well, I mean, Isabel's 18. Mom is paying for the wedding. Mom is the one who contacted the wedding planner. Mom is the one who's, like, sorting the business. And, like, obviously, obviously the bride's thoughts and feelings are important. But Mm -hmm. it's still, it's still, it is wrong for the mom to go specifically against Isabel's wishes like this, in this way. Yeah. And we do find out that the mom cancels you know, the the opening date that was six months out, and then Isabel finds that out. Mm-hmm. There's a fight about it, and that's when she announces to her mom that, well, she found a new place and a new date, and it's in two weeks, Listen, and will you please come to the wedding? Families said, can no. get very possessive of the people in their lives who are getting married. I, I'm sure you guys have read the Am I the Asshole posts about all different kinds of wedding drama. And something I used to do for my friends in college is, um, because I I had several friends in college get engaged. I think I did this three different times. I said, hey, I think just you and I should go looking at wedding dresses, try on what you like, and find out what you like now. So when you go with your future mother-in-law, your mom, your aunts, and your sisters in two weeks, you kind of already gauge what you like in a dress. That's so smart. Thank you. And yeah, I personally, I love weddings and I've been dreaming about my wedding my whole life and like the colors and the settings and the, I love weddings. And so one of the movies that I've actually walked out of and could not finish was Bride Wars, the one with um, Anne Hathaway and 
just see what what's her name kate hudson kate, kate um, hudson just seeing them actively trying to ruin each other's weddings like that was just so ugh to me. I actually left the theater. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. We, uh, so we, I did that with a friend where the group of us went before she went with her family as a big, big secret because we didn't want to ruffle any feathers. Because but she's like, get I get possessive of their brides. Families get possessive. And we went to the, the place and the, the assistant helping us was helping my friend and someone else at the same time. But the other person obviously had a way bigger budget. And so this woman was just ignoring us as like we're waiting for her because, you know, waiting for her to bring dresses and everything. And she is just spending all of her attention and time on this other family next to us. So my friend's like, well, you know, we'll just go find dresses ourselves. And so... Uh, we were pulling dresses and bringing them to her and the lady came up to us and was like, like talking to my friend, like, um, your friends shouldn't do that because they don't really know what you want. And I will know what you want if you just tell me what you want. And my friend just turned and looked at us and we all nodded and just scattered and went and brought dresses back and found the one that she wanted you know, she actually found her dress. It didn't fit, but we, there was another, yeah, there was another different size, uh, yeah. different size in a different part of the city. And so when we came back to get like the number of the dress or whatever, we were talking to the assistant and the assistant was like, she's like, oh no, we do have your friend's size. It's a size two. And we're like, no, it's not a size two. Cause that's not what size she was like. She's like, yes, yes. I have your daughter's size right here. It's a size two. And we're like, She's the bride. She's not the mom. And like she, the assistant realized that she had really messed up because she had been so rude to us. She didn't remember, you know, who it was. And she's like, oh, well, here's my number. When you go get this at the other place, please give them my number so I can get commission. And we didn't because she She didn't do anything. (laughs) She was rude. Yeah. (sighs) Um Sorry, that was a really long tangent about wedding right. dresses. But yes, it's so fun to go wedding dress shopping. We did that with our one sister that is married, and it was so fun. My favorite memory is all of us in the fitting room getting her in her dress, and it was just uh, great. Bless her heart, because um, the first daughter getting married, <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of pressure, I feel, for her on her wedding day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It turned out wonderfully. At least that was that was my impression mm-hmm. of it. I think everything turned out wonderfully. The decorations, the food, everything. Everyone was so kind and so gracious. But yeah, I did not envy her that of being the first one. Yeah. And so far, the only one. <laughs> <gasps> Our parents are actually out of town right now visiting their only grandchildren who live very far out of state. Thank you to our sister who had five mm-hmm. grandchildren. That's so much more impressive than my 47 episodes of television that I've worked on. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, the idea of... (sighs) Because I feel for Isabel. I don't feel anyone in this situation is 100% right. Because, like, my opinion is, yeah, date him longer and see how cool he would be with alien stuff before you pull him into this. I think Michael's point of view is super legit and super correct. Yep. Um, But, like, also the mom, I'm just like, stop trying to control your daughter's life. 
let her do what she wants and like you said Megan be a safe place to land if you know she decides she does end up regretting it or whatever and like yeah it's just it's tough when people think that you should be doing something other than what you're doing yeah so I think everyone was making wrong choices in this episode and no one handled their situation in a mature, responsible way. And now everyone's even more miserable. So (laughs) because Max was supposed to call Liz and he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And Liz is like, he hates me. We're breaking up. I've done so much. She's like, Maria, I've always been there for him. Always. And it's like, he missed one phone call. Yeah. That's a, that's a red flag of possessiveness right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta trust, uh, you gotta trust people. Mm-hmm. Emily, you and I will sometimes go two weeks without, well, not anymore, but we used to go weeks and weeks <laughs> without contacting each other. Now we have Discord. <laughs> so, <it's> <laughs> so we're never apart. <laughs> but yeah when max ends up back in town at the end of the at the end of the episode and he goes to talk to liz yeah it looked like full on like they were about to break up and um that's when he gets emotional and she realizes like oh maybe i've been a little selfish i hated that though because like that's kind of what it felt like but i'm like no max had time to call everybody but you like Granted, he had a lot of things on his mind, but it, it was a weird, it was a weird situation where she felt very high schoolery instead of, hey, I'm involved in alien shenanigans. To be fair, Max <laughs> was planning to get on a spaceship and leave her forever with That's no true. contact because she was calling him on the phone and he hung up on it as he was getting ready to step. He did not. He was not even going to tell her goodbye before he left. Now, no. Liz didn't know that. <laughs> but still, we're just going to we're going to have to see what the fallout of this is. Mm-hmm. And so real quick before we head out, there's just one other thing I wanted to talk about, especially with the title of this episode, which is Control. Uh, I was kind of hoping that we were going to get Isabel losing control. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because she has been kind of uptight a little bit. Not uptight, but very, like, contained. Yeah. And with everyone getting in her way or telling her no or being like, oh, you really do want this, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, She goes out for a walk through the city park and she puts a hand on a light pole. And I was like, is this it? Are we going to get this? And she even has restraint here. She just kind of explodes the light bulb inside the globe. And so the, the lamp just goes out and she does that a couple of times. I think she's trying to like give herself an outlet. And if anyone had reason to lose control and throw a tantrum, it would be Isabel. And I wouldn't even fault her for it. Um, And Michael is the one that has come to track her down because he kind of walked in in the middle of, like, Isabel and her mom having a fight about (laughs) the wedding. It's so funny. It was so funny. So uh, earlier in the episode, Mrs. Evans asked – sorry, I'm just going to talk about the dish. Early episode, Mrs. Evans asked, 
Maria if she would ask Michael to return a casserole dish because she brought some food over for uh, Max a few weeks ago. And he brings it back and it's not washed out. And the actress does like this great thing where she takes this absolutely filthy encrusted casserole dish and just kind of goes, well. (laughs) (laughs) It was so fascinating. Again, I just, this was really good subtext between with Isabel and her mom. Cause I think in this scene where like she and her mom are talking about, I'm going to get married in two weeks. Mom says, I'm not coming to the wedding. That's when Michael shows up and they've just had this really big emotional fallout. And her mom immediately puts on this f- smiling, wonderful, friendly hostess face to be like, Oh, Isabel, why don't you get Michael something to drink? You know? And, and all of a sudden I'm like, I see where a lot of Isabel's personality comes from from this this woman her mother um but yeah and her mom is like isabel this is the same power struggle you and i have been in our whole lives and i was like maybe that's not a great relationship to have with your daughter Mm -hmm. maybe that's something you should work on instead of just being like oh that's just how it is Mm. but yeah michael shows up on a motorcycle none of us knew he had a motorcycle it's great I honestly thought it was Jesse for a second. Oh, that would have been great. Um, but, you know, she and Michael have this understanding kind of, you know, talk and, and feelings or feathers are, are smoothed over, you know, that sort of thing. And he blows up a whole light pole in solidarity with for her, I think. Like, there's sparks everywhere. It was wonderful. Yeah, in the next episode, which is Roswell... Season 3, Episode 6, To Have and To Hold. Megan, what do you think that episode's going to be about? Are we getting Isabel's wedding already? We're rating so low that they were like, wedding! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I think it's going to be an Isabel wedding. And if there's Mm -hmm. any crossover, then I hope we finally get to see one of the visions Max has of his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Tess will send a taunting message somehow. And do you know what I would love? What I would, would you like love? Isabel's dupe to show up at the wedding. That would be awesome. I don't think I'm going to get it, but I want that. We're going to wish for it. Okay. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you for letting me make you view this. I really appreciate you. You're the best. Thank you, and also with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. Are we going to go watch the next one right now, Megan? Yeah. All right, we're going to go watch the next one, and then we'll see you back here in two weeks, uh, and we'll discuss the next episode. Emily, you're doing so great today. You're really crushing it. I know (gasps) you would, though, because uh, I believe in you. I believe in you the very same, sister. All right. Ready? Ready, Break. break. That was a really nice thing you said. Again, friends, thank you for tuning into My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 edition. Uh, Megan and I are having, I'm going to say fun. We're having fun doing this. Uh, It has been a journey. It has been a journey through uh, season three so far, and I'm excited to see what happens with the rest of it. I just wanted to let you know that 
Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, then you can catch us on our next podcast, which is a week from today. Our next episode will come out August 3rd, and that is Megan and I basically doing the same thing, but for Brandon Sanderson's uh, Stormlight Archives. We're currently on the end of Words of Radiance. Uh, we've already started reading and recording stuff for Oathbringer. And so that is coming up. So that's something to look forward to. And then a week after that, August the 10th, you get another Roswell episode. So well, you just win both ways, all the ways. We also do a miscellaneous feed. So far, we have currently covered the entire first season of Our Flag Means Death. Uh, we are finishing up one to watch. We're about to start posting those. It is a book by Kate Stamen London, who is a genius. And then once those are done, we already have all the way recorded The Guest, which is a Korean horror television series that we are going to post after one to watch. Um, and then my next pick is probably going to be, listen, I said it was going to be our dark duet by V.E. Schwab, and we are still going to do that. But I just finished The Scholomans by Naomi Novik and oh my gosh the woman's a genius I hate her so much she's amazing she's an amazing writer it was an amazing book series I think I've got to make Megan read that one um so that's the plan for now it could change it changes all the time but that's the plan for now Thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed our podcast. Seriously, that is like the best thing you guys could do to support the podcast. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just a little click, click, click. And uh, it just helps us out. And just a big, big thank you to everyone who has already done that. If you haven't, we would ask that you just take a few minutes to do that. Rate, review us. Um... But you don't have to. Again, this is just a fun, chill podcast. But those who have done it so far, you guys are made just making our day, making our year. Just thank you. It's so nice to read the reviews and just, we really love it. Uh, special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. Uh, we use it for all of our podcasts, the intros, the exits, everything. I think that is everything we needed to say this week. Uh, I think that's it. So just, I hope you guys get to eat your favorite snacks, watch your favorite shows, read your favorite books, play your favorite games. Just, I hope good things happen to you this week. And remember, we believe in you.